Today's guest is not only rising through the ranks of Wellington hip-hop, but quickly through Aotearoa hip-hop. He fronts Ghost Media and is one of the members of Wellington's explosive Neversoft crew, Young yeah. Ghost. Give me that food. Give me that food. Let me get greasy. I want that food. Welcome to Setting the Scene. My name is Prof Tahi, and today we are joined by Young Ghost. What up, bro? Hey, how's it going, man? Yeah, fantastic, man. So, um, we won't beat around the bush. Nah. Let's get straight into your musical background. What got you into hip-hop, Kaz? Oh, uh, hip-hop, man. Like, music's something I've always been into since I was a kid. Like, my dad got me into all sorts of music. Uh, he was mainly a metalhead, but he always encouraged me to listen to everything. So, probably about 9 or 10 when he played... Uh, Raising Hell by Run DMC. Yeah. I was already a bit of a rocker, so um, the Aerosmith collaboration that sort of brought me into that. Um, and uh, so I was always listening to hip hop and everything. Um, I only really started making hip hop um, when I was like 15 or 16. Uh, just, just, just someone told me they thought they thought I seemed like I'd be good at it. So, like, how long did? it take for you to transition from writing to recording because I know for some people it can be a couple of years were you pretty much straight into the booth yeah for me straight away um as soon as I was writing I was like okay how do I record this and turn this into a track and for the for so long the biggest struggle was just um really finding the music I was I was making the raps I was writing the raps I was rapping but I wasn't finding anyone who could turn it into good music I was bad with the software yeah so straight from the get-go, I was recording stuff, but a lot of it was just kind of in the demo realm. So it took a while to transfer that to proper, proper recording. And it can get really hard to like find a producer that is A, willing to work with you at such a young age, and B, has the right sound, because you don't want to put across a shit sound immediately either. Yeah, I mean, exactly. It, it took me years. Like, I worked with a couple producers, and the, th the thing is a lot of them were people around my age, and when you are working with young people, a lot of them don't really have that focus. Yeah. So my first proper release that I did, um, based on a shit yarn, I was working with a friend of mine called CJ. Um, he was just looking for uh, production experience, really. He was willing to give me a go. Um, so we spent a lot of time working on that um, but e even so it was a well produced EP it was a great EP but it, it still wasn't until I met um, Chronic Snowman that we really managed to channel the sound that I was aiming for the whole time yeah bro so Chronic Snowman is part of the Neversoft Collective can you give me a bit of a view on how either it formed or you got down with that crew or yeah man well um me and snowman we sort of um <laughs> it's pretty funny actually we um we originally met each other just as mutual followers on tumblr <laughs> back when that was a thing Yo. yeah old school um but then i was just um like i said i was just banging out these rap demos for years uh and then i'd actually moved over to sydney i'd sort of canned the whole rapping thing it was sort of like in the back of my mind yeah um and i saw that um saw that he'd um chronic snowman had started making beats um, and I was listening to them and I was like, damn, there's some heavy stuff. So Boy's I just got fire. Yeah, I was like, whoa, proper good trap beats. Like this is when Suicide Boys and Bones and all that stuff was just coming out, so it was pretty cutting edge. Yeah. I was like, hell yeah. Um, we linked up. Um, our first EP, our first track we made, I just sent the stems to him. I was living in Sydney. I just sent stems. He just mixed it up in his bedroom. Um, and that just popped off. Um, so after that, he sort of... He kept going on the rapping thing, uh, making his own tapes as well as producing for a lot of other people. Uh, and then at the end of that year, I moved to Wellington. Um, and around that time was when he was sort of forming the Neversoft Collective with some of the other local rappers. 
um, and having been working with him for all this time, um, it was just logical to keep going with him. Yo, dope. So was that Metallica that you got down with him then? Or? Yeah, correct. That's Metallica. That was the first song we ever made and it um, just picked up heaps of traction. Uh, just inspired both of us to really take it seriously. Yeah, man. And as well as doing all the trap-based kind of rapping, bro, mm. I've noticed out and about you get into a bit of the... Uh, drum and bass MCing. Yeah, I do. Um, I just love drum and bass. That's where that comes from. Like, yeah. I love I love all sorts of music. Drum and bass is one I've only got into uh, in the last couple of years. Um, so with any sort of beat-based music, my, one of my first thoughts is always, okay, how can we get vocals on it? Um, and it, it, it's good training, really, too, because if you can rap to drum and bass, then if you slow the beat down by 30 BPM, then... It's just even easier. You can rap over everything. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But I find that's one of the main reasons I actually started DJing because sometimes I think drum and bass doesn't always need an MC. That's something I've learned a bit. So now I'm just trying to figure out where it does need one. Was that what led you to opening for Mr. Traumatic or was that a lesson you learned after doing that? Um, There was a bit of both, eh? Mr. Traumatic was an interesting one. Um, Basically, I just saw in his Instagram that he was saying he's coming to Australia and New Zealand. I was like, oh, this is exciting because it was sort of just when I'd started getting into the promotion game. We'd been working on... um, these boat parties that had done pretty well. Yep. Um, and when I was talking to them, they were saying that um, the way they normally get acts is when someone's coming to the country, get in, get them in a way. So I was like, okay, sweet. Saw Traumatic was going. Um, I didn't have any money at this point. So um, luckily we did a whip around with some of my friends, a couple of promoters um, managed to get the money together. But um, that was pretty lucky how that all fell together. How did you find it? Like, was that your first international opening? Or? Yeah, that was actually my first ever international I'd opened for. Was um, so it was quite daunting. It was um, not only my first international I'd opened for, but um, the first international gig I'd put together, and I was um, pretty much doing most of it myself. I had to organise the venue, the sound guy, uh, the promotion, all that sort of thing. So I'm just um, really pleased and stoked that the um, that the my friends and promoters trusted me with their money and allowed me to do it. <laughs> yeah, bro, you need that kind of trust when you're trying to build a promotion um, company like I see you doing with Ghost Media. Mm. Um, so I bet a whole bunch of work goes into that that I couldn't even fathom, to be honest. Um, but that was a story where the gigging went well. Yeah, oh, that was an amazing gig from the get-go where we um, went and got traumatic from the airport, taking him there, setting up the sounds and everything that, that was an awesome show and um the crowd they were just so receptive um it was so different i'm used to just seeing people over there and kind of jaded but then for traumatic they were really excited <laughs> fuck yeah if you've got such a good experience surely you've got a polarizing one oh, on the mate. other end can you give me a shit <laughs> gig story bro oh, i've got a, i've got a shit gig story for you mate yeah. okay so we did um earlier this year i was releasing um session music my um full-length debut album Yo. so um we were trying to find a venue, and what venues in Wellington are hard to find, man. Like they're they're booked up, and it was only like about a month out that I was like, okay, no, I actually want to do this. So we were scrabbling. Um, we managed to book this warehouse. Um, it came with a sound system, in, in inverted commas. Um, and then oh, it was kind of my fault, really, because um, I left um, I left sort of my uh, my team to set it up, set it up with the sound. I went off to work. Uh, the gig was supposed to start at nine. I finished work at eight. Uh, came back. Um, the sound rig was just was just 
bunk A just didn't work. It sounded terrible. It was, and then people started rolling in. So we were essentially just sound checking in front of about 70 people while they stood there with their arms crossed like, what is going on? No. None of the opening acts got to play. Everyone was like, oh. And I just heard it was getting bad. It was getting toxic. Um, what we ended up doing in the end, we, uh, we, um, because we couldn't get DJ decks or anything like that to work. What we could get to work, we ended up plugging my phone into the right side, plugging a microphone into the left side. Uh, it still sounded like we were playing the speaker underwater, but I just rapped over the top of the tape playing off Spotify and everyone loved it. <laughs> Did it add like a bit of ambience to the room almost? Like kind of. I think it almost it almost made it more special in a way. Yeah, like that kind of filthy connection people want with an underground artist, bro. It sounds like you fucking hacked it that day. Yeah, man, like I'm I'm almost glad that everything went tits up because the experience I got and the confidence I got after being able to rock a show in the worst possible scenario, I feel like I could do anything after that. Have you got any closing remarks, any plugs you want to give out there before we wrap this all up? Um, I just want to say um, big ups to everyone who knows who I am. Big ups to everyone who's listened to this podcast. Um, respect to anyone who's supporting the scene. Uh, because really, um, that's who it's about. It's not about the artist. It's about people getting behind and supporting the artist. So if you've got a friend who's an artist, uh, support them. Do everything you can to support them. If you're an artist yourself, uh, support them hard bro a ticket usually only costs half a bin yeah exactly man <laughs> exactly well like you look at it and like you, you your mate's selling a t-shirt it's 30 bucks or whatever and you're like all oh, 30 bucks but it's like look people go down to the pub and drop 50 bucks on a round after work without any hesitation so so, so what's the harm <laughs> in supporting eh bro big ups man thank you very much for your contribution to the scene and for coming through and having a quick cordial with me today man nah bless up thanks for your time Yo, Prof Tahi stay up young ghost big on up. setting the scene with Matua Prof Chip. cheer buddy setting the scene with Matua Prof freak out yo <laughs>